Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to episode number 40 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Malatnitz of GratefulGarden.biz. Today we are talking with Doctor of Chiropractic and Functional Medicine Practitioner, Dr. Joshua J. Red. Dr. Red has also received certifications from the American Board of Functional Medicine and Functional Immunology, Functional Gastroenterology. Oh, that's a word I don't know how to say very well. I was going to say gastrointestinology. <laughs> you did good. I'm going to make my own word up. <laughs> in functional medicine, as well as a diplomat in functional medicine for the American Board of Functional Medicine and a certification in diplomat. And integrative medicine from the American Association of Integrative, integrative Medicine. Oh my God, that's such a mouthful. <laughs> I, I know, right? That's black, awesome. Black certification. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, as you can hear, we're so incredibly excited to talk with him. But just a few things first. If you tuned in last week, which we hope you did, you heard us chatting with the amazing author, thyroid thriver, and advocate Carol Gray. Oh, my gosh, so much amazing information and scary information uh, the lady serving was. Yeah. 215 or 255 years consecutively for killing seven people going down the wrong road. Oh, my God, just like I think about that, and I just am so grateful that that I'm not there anymore. Do you know what I mean? So, anyways, if you missed uh, it, you can catch yeah. it in the Thyroid Nation Radio Archives, as well as other fabulous guests that we've had the honor of interviewing, like Dr. Horltorf. We're both tongue-tied today. <laughs> I'm trying to change yeah, really. that whole tour <laughs> Hypothyroid mom, Mary Showman, Susie Cohen, and Isabella Wentz, just to name a few of the amazing people. <clears throat> and make sure to also check out the lineup of wonderful and innovative guests we have scheduled upcoming for Thyroid Nation Radio on the radio page. Uh, we have great guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks, Dr. Jill Carnahan, Andrea uh, Nakayama, Dr. Trevor Cates, and there's just so many more. And I keep getting so many more uh, people who who would like to be on the show, so that's that's also wonderful. So we're going to be changing the date as well. And after our one-year show, after our one-year anniversary show in February, we're going to be changing the date. So we'll be letting you guys know how that's going to turn out. Yeah, and Dana has just lined up so many amazing guests. But we'd also, if you guys have someone that you would love to hear interviewed, you know, make a suggestion. Uh, let us know. I know Dana's interviewed quite a bit already into uh, 2016, but if you have somebody that you'd love to hear, um, hear them on Thyroid Nation Radio. Right, Dana? Absolutely. All right. There he is. I think he is with us, so let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Good morning, Dr. Red. How are you this morning? Let's do it. Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Hi, thanks for being here. Good, we're good. We're a little giggly today. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. Hopefully I'm not tongue-tied as well, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best today, right? <laughs> awesome, yep. right? We should we should be able to hang through it. We should be do, we should do good. <laughs> That's good. I tried yep. to have an office manager schedule it to where I could uh, come to Costa Rica and just interview, but... But well, that know, would be huh? great. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. That's what everybody says. Actually, it's, it's funny because we have um, we had Gina Lee Nolan. I don't know if you know who she is. She's Baywatch Babe, and she's, you know, a thyroid advocate. She was on a show not too long ago, 
Oh, great. She has the sorry page, sorry, se- sorry, sexy, if you've ever checked it out. But we had her on the show, and she had she brought on her uh, doctor with her, so it was really, really wonderful. But we didn't uh, we didn't really plan on having her. We didn't we didn't know of her, and so now we have her scheduled as a guest, and she may actually be coming to Costa Rica, and we are right. going to do her show live here. Live, uh, my next cool. one. So that's my next cool. one is live right? there for sure. Heck yeah! <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> so yeah, you cool. Betcha. That would be so cool. <laughs> that's yeah. a nice business expense right off. <laughs> I'm in Utah. Utah. I'm in Utah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. A northern, so. southern. Right. Uh, I'm in northern Utah, but I have an office. Uh, I have an office in South Jordan, Utah, then one in St. George, Utah, and then I have an office in. Phoenix and Albuquerque, New Mexico. So. Wow. wow! 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 Yeah, but that, I but I reside in Utah. So that is very cool. Now, do you get a chance to travel between those locations? You bet. I I travel a lot in between the locations and and uh, just help each doctor manage manage the patients. Uh, obviously, we'll have some pretty significant or difficult patients, and so uh, with those cases, I'll just kind of help monitor and make sure that things are improving as, as they should and, and make sure they're getting the proper treatment that they need. So That is very cool. Well, let's just get, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get right into it. Can you tell us, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what made you decide to, to go to chiropractic school? Uh, yeah, you, you know, for the longest time, ever since I can remember, I, I think I was uh, kind of early teens. I, I've always wanted to help people with chronic diseases. I always wanted to be a doctor that could help people um, get healthy again, and and really when it came down to it, I, I tried to wait out whether I should go to medical school or chiropractic school, um, and and I decided to go to chiropractic school simply just because of the nutrition aspect of it. I would one learn how to uh, learn a lot more about nutrition, and that's really what I wanted to focus on. You know, I'm not too big into prescribing meds. Um, you, you know, as far as just meds for symptoms, our, our biggest goal even beforehand was just to make sure that I can really help people improve their health in, in natural ways. And so I, I learned that you could, um, you know, I learned that, that chiropractic school had a lot more nutrition uh, education in it, and so I went that route. But then after chiropractic school, I, I did another degree in, in human nutrition and functional medicine. Um, and and then I did some diplomats in functional medicine and integrative wellness and... and uh, um, one of one of my mentors, Dr. Karazin, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, at a, you know, right when I graduated chiropractic school, he kind of took me under his wing and and uh, really taught me what functional medicine was all about, and and really helped me become the doctor that I am today, and and really just helped me grow and and, and learn mounds of information that I wouldn't have otherwise. And so, uh, as soon as I graduated chiropractic school, that's really when I first started to really focus on the functional medicine aspect of things and and uh, really focus on patients that I feel are being neglected uh, in the traditional model, you know? Absolutely. Well, and you could have a you could have a line at your door if that's the case then, Dr. Red. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, learned that at a, I learned that at a young age uh, for sure. I think uh, within the first year, we, we had patients from all over the world come and see us. Really, my first year in practice, we ended up having patients uh, throughout the world come and see us. And and that's really when I started to realize that these patients with autoimmunity, especially Hashimoto's uh, and low thyroid, uh, that there's a lot 
bigger and deeper issues that, that aren't being managed properly, right? And uh, that was kind of an eye-opener for me when I first uh, when I first got into practice helping these patients. So, Wow. I, that's a very cool thing to actually uh, admit that, you know, it, it was deeper than just a simple pill. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I, I remember uh, an experience I was with... Uh, I was with Atis Karaz, and I, I just I didn't know I wanted to do low thyroid. He just, you know, that was kind of his main thing. Um, I know I knew I wanted to deal with chronic diseases in general, but he pulled me aside and was like, "Look, these people, these these patients suffering with low thyroid, aren't getting the proper treatment that they need, and, and you could help so many of them." And so he kind of steered me do- uh, towards this direction. I remember one of my first patients. Her name was Rebecca. Uh, she came in and she was just in tears. I, I walked into the office and and uh, shook her hand and, and she was with her husband, and she was just in tears, crying. Um, she had significant, you know, a significant amount of symptoms and problems, and and I mean, she just, you could tell she didn't feel good. And she had been to endocrinologists, she has been to multiple physicians, she has been all over the nation looking for doctors to help her because she just had significant fatigue. She had so many problems that she couldn't get functioning better. And she was on multiple medications, and I remember her saying uh, her son was asked to draw a picture of her at school, and he drew a picture of her in bed. And she pulled that out of his backpack, and she she saw she just you know asked him, hey, what's this? And he says, oh, I got I asked to draw, I was asked to draw a picture of you at school, and it was really her in bed. And she said when she saw that, she knew there had to be other options out there. And she found out about us, and and really came in, and and that was kind of my first experience of. Okay, here's this patient. She's been to multiple specialists all over the country, and now she is here in my office expecting me to help her. And uh, you know that was kind of a that was kind of my first experience. But but obviously uh, with the functional medicine approach, she's now doing a lot better. She's now able to function a lot better. Really, just do the simple tasks that most people don't realize, and I think sometimes take for granted. Um, and her life has changed drastically, but. Uh, you know, seeing patients like that over and over and over again, it's just it's just an eye opener to to realize how many more strategies are out there to to really help these patients that are struggling that are that are really being overlooked. You know, that is so true. I mean, I don't know if you caught uh, what we had said about Carol Gray and and the lady that's in jail for doing 215 years or 255 years or whatever for killing seven people going down the wrong side of the road. You know, I think. I think that's something that most practitioners really don't understand is the severity of our symptoms. And, 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 you know, I had similar issues like that, fortunately, thank God, you know, um, that didn't happen to me. But I I look at that and, you know, my TSH was only, you know, like 4.5. And, you know, I was just, it it wasn't like anything that was a a blaring, you know. and, And really I cried when I read that. I thought, my God, you know, I know that I can't be the only person that went through this type of cognition problem. And, you know, wondering how many other people out there on the road are, are like that right now that can't get the help. So what you do and being able to understand that is priceless, truly. It's priceless. Yeah, my heart definitely goes out for every patient with low thyroid just because of that. I, you know, I, I can't say how many times I hear patients come in and they've been told that they're just fat, that they need to put the fork down or, or just awful things that you wouldn't you wouldn't think a physician would say to a person. 
um, and my heart goes out to them because it's not the it's, it's really not the patient's fault. It's it's literally that we have to stop being clinical dinosaurs, and we have to try to identify what's really going going on with this patient to really get the best help they need. And and, and they can't do it on their own. And so it's definitely not the patient's fault. But you know now now in practice uh, we've we've had our offices for about five to six years now. And I have patients from 30 different countries and every state in the nation that come and see us. And it really oh, is this cool. story over and over and over of these patients who have lost hope, have really lost all confidence in getting better uh, because so many things are, are, are you know, overlooked and, and mismanaged there. So, you know, my heart goes out to, you know, now I have a whole new sense of compassion uh, for these patients that are struggling, and, and each one that comes in, I just want to give them a big hug and, and tell them there is hope, and and there are strategies that we can help. It obviously takes a lot of work on our part, but it also takes a lot of work on their part. But if they're willing to put forth that work, uh, you know, in my opinion, the sky's the limit for them. So, right, very well, cool. And, and I apologize. Uh, what was that? Go ahead, Dana. Uh-huh. I was going to say it's so wonderful that you take a, a functional medicine approach and that you look at the whole person, and we say it all the time on, on all of our shows, you know, everybody's different. Every person is different, and no two situations are the same, and no two environments are the same, no two bodies are the same. And it's great that you take a, a functional medicine approach because, you know, not only someone comes in with their thyroid that's, you know, low or, or high thyroid, whatever it is, and and you, you know, try to get them their thyroid optimized, and then then that you realize while doing that that they have hormonal imbalances because you've looked at the whole body. They have vitamin and nutritional deficiency issues. They have leaky gut. And so you're able to go in as a functional medicine practitioner and, and address all of those things. And that's so that's such a big deal because there are people on all these boards on Facebook. You know, I, I post and I read the boards and I go in and people are saying, yeah, my doctor did say something awful, like you mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, putting the fork down or whatever. And then you also see the people that say, well, I'm, my thyroid's kind of, you know, optimized and I still have all this weight. And so my doctor thinks that, you know, I'm not doing something right and I'm doing everything right. And it has more to do with everything that's going on in their body, their their hormones and, and all that stuff. So it's really admirable. We thank you for doing what you do. Oh, it, it's, a, it's a blast for me. And it's definitely far more rewarding for me than it is for anybody else. But But you're exactly right. Making sure that we don't treat patients like a protocol is key, right? Every patient is has their own specific imbalances for their own specific condition. And we might have 100 Hashimoto's patients, and they all have different imbalances that cause the Hashimoto's to flare up, or or they all, they all might have different foods that cause it to flare up as well. So it's, it's crucial and critical that we go in and really customize a personalized treatment plan for each individual. But it's interesting, if we can... If we can think critically and, and really ask the question, well, why is this happening to this patient? And we can get to that underlying issue. Um, amazing things happen, you know. Well, and I have to apologize real quick, uh, Dr. Red. You are the founder of the Red River Health and Wellness Centers, correct? Yes. Yep. Those are the locations that you had mentioned, and, and that's just, uh, you said that's been uh, for about five, five to six years now? Yeah, I think six years coming coming this January. So. Oh wow! Well, congratulations. Yeah. So yeah. I have one more quick question. Did you have any health problems yourself, or a loved one that had, you know, a severe autoimmunity or thyroid issue that that really sparked your love of medicine as a child, or is this just a just a plain out true calling for for you? 
Well, you know, I, I always, I never had a, a loved one that was really close to me, um, but but I always had someone like a friend or or one of my best friend's parents and and uh, others that were struggling big time with their health, um, and through the traditional model of of, of you know symptom based medication, they weren't really getting the improvement that they needed, and so I always always looked into that in, in detail and figured that there could be something else that we could do with diet, lifestyle, and nutrition that could go a long way with those patients. I had other people growing up, too, that were um, had a nutrition background and, and helped people with nutrition. So that's really what sparked it. But I didn't really understand uh, the impact that could be made and the severity of, of what some of these patients go through until I actually went to chiropractic school. And then that's really when when I gained a love for the functional medicine approach and, and gained a love for, um, you know, these patients who are suffering, not getting the proper help needed. That is just, wish everybody could just yeah. wrap their head around that. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's a, that's a true calling. That's somebody who is, I mean, you probably just are absolutely love going to work every day. And if you don't mind, I'd love to read the quote. There's a quote of yours on your uh, Red River Health and Wellness site. And do you mind if I read it, Doctor? Oh Dr. yeah, Red? go ahead. Okay, go ahead, it says one of the most gratifying parts of my life is having a patient go from zero good days in a month to 20 good days in a month, and teaching him or her the tools necessary to stay healthy. Woohoo! That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What right? an awesome goal for a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Uh, I, I love my job. I love I love being able to help patients and have the opportunity to serve and and uh, to really take people out who are hopeless and 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 put hope back in their life and and I don't think people realize too how much this impacts their family, right? Or whoever's struggling with this condition, how much it impacts their friends, their family, their uh, every little aspect. It, it's it's pretty intense when you can sit down with patients on a consistent basis and hear their stories and hear what they went through and hear what their struggles were. And you can't sit there and listen without your heart going out to them just, you know, with how much they struggle. I mean, sometimes I try not to. I, sometimes I'm an emotional guy, but I try not to be. But sometimes you sit down <laughs> with these patients and you hear their story and literally I'll just I'll just cry with them. I mean, it is, it is awful to see some of the things and circumstances they've had to go through just to get to to our office and, and get to that point of of hopeless, you know, ho- basically feeling hopeless. So. Well, and and their kids too, you know, like, you know, just like you said when you had the mom come in and, and she pulled out a picture of her son that you know he had drawn a picture of her in bed. You know, your kids are so affected, and so yep. bringing bringing back hope to those people. I mean, that's such a big deal. So. That's wonderful, and we're for so glad sure. to have you guys, have you out there working for for people like us, right, Tiff? Oh, totally, totally. I well, wish every doctor could have your your passion, and not necessarily. It's one of you know, if you get a doctor that's that's had a thyroid problem, you know, chances are they may have felt that. But to have someone have that type of passion for patients like us who who has not been through it, you know, you're you're really just you're taking on the burden. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you cry with these people listening to these stories going, oh, my God, you know, this is insane that this person has to go through that. So to have that kind of passion from someone who really never was chronically ill, fortunate for you is I wish every doctor could 
have that type of empathy. I mean, it's it's um, it's a priceless key in treating patients. You know, empathy. It's just in my opinion. I know there's so much that you have to separate to to continue working with multiple patients, but there's a part of you that really has to be connected with that person in order to want to help them. I think you know. And it sounds yeah. like you really have that from a from a genuine place, which is, you know, like I said, it's a priceless priceless tool in a physician. Well, I, ho- I hope I do, and I hope my patients would would say the same thing. And, and really, like I said before, going through these experiences and hearing these experiences, that just significantly increases the empathy that I have towards them and the compassion that I have towards them. I mean, even even with you guys or anybody that has a little thyroid, when I hear uh, of of their struggles, or when I hear someone say I have Hashimoto's, there's, I mean, I just want to give them a big hug, <laughs> you know, and, and tell them that there's hope out there, and there's lots of strategies out there that can help mm-hmm. them. Um, just because I, I see it on a daily basis uh, of patients who are really, really struggling, and I probably see, I probably see the worst of it just because of of the office that we have and, and the patients that travel from everywhere to see us, and so we're seeing some of the worst cases out there. Um, but that definitely hasn't filled the the empathy part of it for sure. What an enormous compliment, though. I know Dana and I love the fact that you have multiple centers. <laughs> it's like splitting you up five yeah. ways. That's very cool. But what a compliment that people travel from all over the world to come to come there for. You know, you wish you could get people there on a first resort rather than a last resort. But you know, hey, I imagine it's like however you get here because once I have you. I know that I can help you, you know, so that's, yeah, that's, you that's, betcha. that's huge. All right, well, let's get into the nitty-gritty of it. I mean, we could talk about you all day. I have a feeling just the amazement of how, <laughs> how grateful that, that Dan and I both kind. are to have you in, uh, you know, the thyroid as a physician. And um, So how many cases do you see prospectively as far as a, a real pandemic how many cases do you see in your centers that are really thyroid revolved? I mean, I know that's probably a hard question to answer, but is it general rule? Is it quite a bit? Uh, yeah, we you know that's kind of been our. Uh, for some reason, we're now well known for the the thyroid aspect of things. We probably see close to, I bet seventy percent of our patients um, are thyroid patients. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, the the important thing, too, is to understand that, that the number one cause of low thyroid is Hashimoto's, right? And right. so, yeah. And so 70 to 80% of these patients that are suffering with low thyroid that are on thyroid medication still feel symptoms um, because nothing's being done to the actual Hashimoto's. And so, the, you know, we probably have, I would say 60 to 70% of our patients are Hashimoto's. And then the other, the other uh, percentage are just, patients that that have some type of autoimmune condition or uh some type of chronic condition that that isn't you know hasn't been figured out yet so you know and i have to say um i think it's very interesting that you know because you would say as someone who's a chiropractic doctor you know, 20 years ago you go to the chiropractor to get adjusted because you have the neck ache or a back ache or, or whatever it's so different now, and it has been the perception has even changed over the last, I don't know, 10 years, at least for me it has, because even here in Costa Rica, in my little bitty town, I say little bitty, it's not that little bitty, but it's a small town here in Costa Rica. I have a, a um, an expat, you know, a gringo um, chiropractor that, that treats autoimmune issues. 
it's amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, it, it, uh, it's, it's you great. know, he, and he's really knowledgeable. He's really knowledgeable about all aspects of nutrition and, and, and all kinds of things. It's different than the even doctor that I went to here, the, you know, Atiko that went to Columbia, the great, great doctor. He did, he did uh, actually diagnose my Hashimoto's in office with the sonogram, sonogram, right? Sonogram, yeah. and uh, but he put me on he put me on levothyroxine and said, okay, you can get on the plane tomorrow and go to your Zumba convention. You're going to be great. <laughs> and, and needless to say, I was not. I was a instructor. I am, but I was, and you know, I I took my medicine and you know tried to go to all the classes and things, but I and you know, essentially crashed my adrenals. And that yeah. was the last time I saw this doctor. But but really, he did diagnose me, and he did give me the medicine that they have available here. They do not have any T3 or Natrothroid or Westroid or any of that stuff. So he didn't mention the word autoimmune, and he didn't mention the word nutrition or lifestyle or anything. And and when I went to this chiropractor here in town, it was the first thing. I mean, we sat down and talked for an hour before we even went into his office. So so it's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's great too. The scope of the scope of practice for chiropractors is so large now, and and uh, we're able to help so many pa- you know patients with nutrition and diet and lifestyle, and just really just education is a, is a huge part, right? Our, our biggest goal too yeah. is you can't cure these diseases, but what you can do is really teach these patients how to be the expert in their own health, and and you can help empower them and help gain, gain you know help them gain the the knowledge that they need to help manage things for the long haul, which is which is critical. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely fun, and at the same time too, um, I, I have some natural patients that come in. Their their love for natural medicine is so strong; they feel like they don't need thyroid medication. And and obviously, the research shows that if you you need a thyroid hormone and you're not taking it, then it can lead to significant problems as well. And so, we do work with lots of endocrinologists and lots of prescribing physicians as well, hand in hand. And it's been fun to have and maintain relationships with them to really just make it a win-win situation for the patient. Um, and so being a chiropractor and having the scope of practice that we have, we, you know, we go through the same school, schooling that uh, most medical schools go through. We learn about physiology and endocrinology and, and biochemistry and all sorts of, of other areas of the body. But, but really getting to know each complex system and how they work together and then being able to work with their prescribing physician or endocrinologist at the same time uh, it just makes it a women's situation for the patient, and, and the pa- patients will benefit most by that as well, you know. I absolutely cannot tell you enough how much I love the fact that you just addressed that because that can be very confusing for patients, you know, and the fact that you actually work with the endocrinologist and their doctor because really, let's face it, you know, they're, they're, they deal with different things. You know what I'm saying? You can deal with, uh-huh. you know, the nutrition and the alignment and multiple factors that can help them make, make you feel better. But I love the fact that you also address, you know, the, the, you know there, there are certain patients of yours that are going to need the medication, and I love the fact that you open that door and work and communicate with their physician. That is a huge, huge bonus for yes, your patients. Yeah, and, and, you know, just learning the research behind it. Like, I'm not anti-medicine. I'm just anti-not thinking. Like, I want to make sure that we're all thinking <laughs> critically, right? And that we're getting yes. to the yes. mechanism of all these problems. I mean, think about this, right? It, let's say my car breaks down. We take it to the mechanic. He's going to go in there and identify the exact problem. He's going to fix it. 
and then the car is going to work again, right? Unfortunately, with our healthcare though, our healthcare system, we're not really doing that well. It's, it's like there's an alarm going off, like a fire alarm's going off, and most of these doctors now just want to turn the fire alarm off and just leave the fire blazing. Um, yeah, no. We feel like it, <laughs> we feel like it's our job as functional medicine practitioners to not neglect the main underlying issue of these patients' problems, to go in there and try to identify really what's going on. But then at the same time, we understand it's important for some of these patients to be on medications. And so we're going to have to work with endocrinologists and, and medical doctors. And in my opinion, we've now become their greatest advocate. I mean, we we'll, we have such great relationships with some of these endocrinologists now, and we're referring back and forth and really helping each other Um because we know, look, if a patient needs a thyroid hormone, if your TSH is high and you think you're going you're gonna to cure this naturally, well, one, you're not going to be able to cure it, unfortunately. Uh, and then two, uh, if you're not taking the proper thyroid hormones, then that's going to cause significant problems throughout the rest of your whole life. I mean, that can lead to poor bone growth, dementia, and Alzheimer's, and all sorts of problems you don't want to deal with down the road. But what you can do is work with the primary care physician, but then also really help start working on the underlying issues. Do the proper blood tests. Do the proper things that need to be done for these patients. Get to the underlying issue, and then really teach them how to keep it in check. And then and then maintain that that good healthy relationship with their doctor so that the patient benefits. You know, I just don't see awesome. any other way that, awesome. that it can work awesome. out. I love it. I absolutely love it. it it's a perfect paradigm. Ditto. It really is. It is. You know, like in, okay, in the so old I days, had my... you had the, you had like in the old days, you had like the chiropractors and, and medical doctors that uh, they wouldn't get along, and they just it was like head to head, really, right? right. Yeah, right. it was kind of hilarious. Whereas, I think nowadays, as we have younger chiropractors coming to the table, you have younger doctors as well. Uh, for me personally, just trying to build that bridge when I can sit down with the medical doctor, or endocrinologist, talk to them about physiology and the immunology aspect of these patients' lives, and he actually understands I know a lot more than what they they, they think I know, it, you know, and then also having them understand that we want to work with them, we want them to be, uh, we want to be their advocates, we want to really help these patients. It's it's fun to see these old school doctors slowly change and, and build these bridges and, and make sure that we're all transparent and, and uh, we put the patients first. It's, it's fun to see things kind of evolve and, and, and us being able to work with these doctors again, you know? Yeah, I, I and you know, think... it, it sounds... <laughs> Go ahead, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it sounds it sounds like, you know, as you're talking, that you're also able to be okay with learning and listening to the doctor as opposed to just having one straight and narrow version of what you think this patient needs that you're that you're more open to you know uh different ideas and things and you're able to grow and learn with with that doctor and that patient as opposed to just being you know so straightforward and straight what am i trying to say Tip? can you help me do you know what i'm what i'm trying to get at for sure for sure kind of just stuck in stuck in your own ways and that's kind of an important thing to do as well i think with all of our functional medicine clinics our biggest goal is to constantly learn like there's so much research coming out every year and so if I practice and my doctors practice the same way that we did last year or five years ago, we really are failing. Uh, like right. if we can pull out a file and we don't see how we can improve in certain areas or what we could have been doing better a year ago, I, I really think we're failing. The way that we we manage patients a year ago is, is even different than it is now 
we're constantly putting our nose in research, constantly trying to find what's going to be best for these patients to maintain a good quality life and a good outcome there. And there's so much involvement. And so for me to sit there and think that I know everything uh, would be silly, and for really any doctor to, to think that would be silly. Uh, you know, if we can pick up a 1970 <laughs> textbook and we're actually applying that information and nothing's changed, we got a big problem, <laughs> right? we got a and big so, problem. <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of like what they're doing. Conventional medicine and endocrinology right now, they're stuck in the T4 and the and the TSH. They they are practicing the same way, you know, and they're not listening to the patients that are saying, I don't feel well. I know everything looks yeah. great on paper, but I don't feel well. And they're like, well, everything looks good on paper. We should be good. <laughs> We're not good. We're not good. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. This is this is my life for sure, you know. Um, but it's fun to see where we can sit down, counsel with doctors, let them know the research and provide them with the proper research needed to help them kind of change their paradigm and their perspective and then them actually work with it. And then the best thing, too, uh, is you can say anything you want, but really the patient can improve. And so when we have a patient that's that's had this problem for 20 years and they've worked with them for 20 years and, and really gotten nowhere, and then within three three to six months or nine months, we can get them to where they were 20 years ago um, the results are really what matters. And so when, when doctors see the results that we get, as fast as we get them, uh, that obviously changes the perspective and, and changes their paradigm as well, you know? Proof's in the pudding, right? Proof, <laughs> Proof is in, in the, the pudding, pudding, which I love. Right. I, I love it. I love it, you know? <laughs> okay, so let's get into some real, because we want to pick your brain. We've got we've got all pick this smart on the phone, and we yeah. want to just pick your brain. So we're going to dive into Go it. Go after it. So Go why do you it. think... So many people on thyroid hormones are still experiencing symptoms, or people, and included, I'm sure it's fairly similar, people that are falling in that subclinical where all the thyroid symptoms are there, but they still look normal on paper. Can you help us understand yeah. that? A uh, really good question. And I think the biggest thing right now is for, for each viewer to understand why do you have low, a low thyroid to begin with? And if you don't know the answer to that question, then, then we need to figure that out first. Um, most of the time, the reason why these patients still have symptoms is because they have a lot more than just a primary thyroid problem, right? Uh, most of the time, it's due to an autoimmune condition, what we've mentioned before, which is Hashimoto's, where your immune system, instead of attacking bad things, is actually attacking your own tissue, and in this case, the thyroid tissue. And so these patients will still be on a thyroid hormone and still feel little to no improvement because nothing's being done to their immune system that's, that's going crazy attacking the thyroid tissue at a rapid pace. Eventually, it destroys the thyroid tissue enough to where then they have a permanent low thyroid. And uh, that means that the thyroid won't be able to produce the proper life-sustaining thyroid hormones. And so, you know, when doctors see that, they'll see you have a, a TSH that's high, they'll give you the thyroid hormone, but then nothing is being done to the Hashimoto's and so these patients still feel little to no improvement. Another big thing too though is that when the Hashimoto's flares up it also causes an, a pretty significant inflammatory response uh, which it's kind of like when you sprain your ankle and you get that inflammation in the ankle the same process occurs but it goes throughout the whole body. You got these inflammatory cytokines that will increase throughout the whole body and those inflammatory cytokines create a ton, a ton of physiological imbalances. So it can cause cortisol defects, hormonal imbalances, intestinal problems, poor liver function, blood sugar level imbalances. 
It causes problems, like we said, with the brain, cognitive issues, blood-brain barrier issues, um, methylation problems. I mean, the list goes on. And so think of a patient that's on a thyroid hormone where none of that stuff is being addressed. You have this vicious cycle of problems just getting worse and worse and worse. And then obviously that leads to the problems there. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then another key thing too, so let's say six, let's say 70% of patients with low thyroid have Hashimoto's. The likelihood of your immune system just turning on your thyroid and only your thyroid is is really slim. And so a lot of these patients will have other forms of autoimmunity that create symptoms and problems. And so a patient might have Hashimoto's, but they also might have rheumatoid arthritis that's not diagnosed, or they might have celiac disease that's not diagnosed, or they might have what's called chronic urticaria, which is where you end up you know, getting the hives. It's autoimmunity to what's called an IgE receptor. It's where you end up getting hives and kind of a histamine re- response and the, the rashes on your skin and all those problems as well. Um, and so... So that's also another thing, too, is that there's there's usually other autoimmunity occurring uh, that's causing symptoms. And then you have your standard problems like, if so, let's say someone does have a primary thyroid problem, and that's just it. They don't have autoimmunity or whatnot, which is which is really rare from, from the patients that we see. Uh, but let's say someone does, and they still are experiencing symptoms, they might end up having what's called an underconversion problem. That means if they're taking a T4 hormone, which is an inactive hormone, it might not be, your body might not be converted into an active T3 hormone. And uh, 60% of that conversion process takes place in your liver. The other 20% occurs in the intestinal tract. And then uh, cortisol, which is your stress hormone, is a huge, uh, a huge thing to help that convert into those areas as well. And so you could have something as simple as an underconversion problem or a protein binding problem or, uh, And even you know, simple, uh, simple trauma, correct, can, in, can inhibit you, that conversion. Uh, Yep, you betcha, because anything that will increase stress in your life, whether it's trauma, uh, whatever it may be, an inflammatory response, whatever it may be, uh, it's going to inhibit that conversion process. And so you've got to be really cautious, you bet. Right. And, you know, it's funny because we talk about stress all the time. And, you know, if you say, you know, you need to be less stressed, you know, people are like, okay, okay, I get it, right? And and. Really, though, the body is so it's so smart and it's so intelligent and it reacts so sometimes sensitively. And so sometimes when you say, you know, you need to be less stressed to people, they, they associate that with, like, high-stress situations. And, yeah. you know, your body, especially when you have thyroid issues, it's just affected by simple stressors as well. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you, you bet, especially when you have so many stressors so let's, there's different kinds of stressors, obviously, but let's say you have physiological stressors, right? So because because the thyroid is being attacked by the immune system rapidly and because this inflammatory process is increasing, you're going to end up having intestinal problems. So now the intestinal tract isn't absorbing food like it should. Uh, it's creating an inflammatory response throughout the body, which is causing a massive amount of physiological stress. Let's say your adrenal glands aren't functioning like they should, which is causing more stress in the body. Let's say the blood sugar levels aren't functioning like they should. You have all these different stressors inside the body, which makes a a, a tiny little stressor in your personal life have a lot bigger dramatic impact than it would otherwise, right? If we can go in and we can really calm down the physiological stressors inside the body, we can get these imbalances function a lot better 
then the body is going to be able to handle the stress, like the, the outside stressors, a lot easier. Uh, and it's not going to make that big of an impact. But at first, it, it, it's critical, critical because it's almost like there's so many imbalances that we've blown up this balloon that's about to pop, and any of the slightest air that goes into that balloon is, is going to be noticed. And it's going to be scary because it might pop, right? Uh, those same similar things mm-hmm. happen to our own body when we're suffering with Hashimoto's and low thyroid because we have so many different triggers and stressors going on there. So you bet. Well, I love God that. Forbid, I say it you know, a certain way, and then and then you come back and you say it the way I mean for it to be said. Thank you, Dr. Reza. That's perfect. <laughs> no, you, 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 we're a good team there. We're a good team. In fact, you should just come yeah, to my office right. and help me. <laughs> well, I think, too, that's... That's so important for people to realize when people say, well, I, I think I'm just a naturally stressed person. And you're like, you're looking, you're like, no, your B12 is low, you're, you're anemic, your thyroid hormone is low, you know, you're not optimized. You're like, really, honestly, if all of these things were optimized and corrected and addressed, you wouldn't be as stressed, you know. And so for when sure. people go, I imagine you see it all the time where people are just a hairball mess and they think yep. that's just their personality. They're like, well, this just must be me. And then as yeah. you see them heal and become optimized, and then all of a sudden they're coming in and they're like, oh, I was caught in traffic and I had, you know, this or that, but they're not that same. You know, that for you that just must be like, that is just fabulous. Even if they don't recognize Rewarding. it, you know, now they've changed, you know. Oh, yeah. I think so many people chalk up so much stress to this is just, this is just me. No, it's yep. what if it's not for you? What if there's yeah, and they just resolve to it? You're like, no, no, yeah. no. It could be yeah. so different. <laughs> <laughs> for for sure, it's, it, especially with patients that have had this for a long time and it hasn't really been addressed properly. Um, you know, it's interesting to see so many patients think that's just the way they are. That's just this is how they feel and this is how they this is how they function. And then in reality, once once you really get to those underlying issues and you start to address each physiological problem, it's fun to see these patients change and it's fun to get um, responses from their spouse or their children or, or other family members on how much different they are, you know. Um, really how the old you comes back and and it, it, it's fun to see and fun to be a part of for sure. Well, you know, and I have see, to tell so you, you Dana, did the same and I, thing, Tiffany. What's you did the same thing. See, you said one thing, and then he said it, and it's different. You know, and it just impersonated it really well. I love this. This I'll stop, is great. I'll stop that. We're having I'll stop we're that. having no, multiple processing people this morning. <laughs> very right. cool. That's what, we're, that's what we're trying to do, right? Right. It's, it's perfect because that's you know that's I what have I to need. tell you I need it to I need it to come back a different way. Right, because let's face it, some people hear things differently. They'll get it. They process things a, a very yeah. different way. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, Dr. Red, we, Dana and I hear it all the time where people that we interview can say, well, I was diagnosed, you know, four years ago or ten years ago or whatever, but I can tell you that I see symptoms that go all the way back into my childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, you know, for some people, yes, it did just pop up, and then for some of us, like me and Dana in particular, both of us can go all the way back into our childhood, you know, and and see multiple thyroid, you know, or cellular reception of thyroid hormone or whatever it is, way back into our childhood. Now, doing what we do, we look back and we're like, wow, you know, that's just, uh, 
you know, and they really don't. Every time with my pediatrician, we have to, you know, we really have to, I have to be specific and say, can you please draw this, you know, and he's he's always very gracious and, and will do it, you know. But children yeah. really don't get covered unless something is so severe. You know, they cover lead yep. and different things, but they don't cover, you know, uh, things like that that can cover, you know, uh, ultra metabolism and unless there's a blaring symptom in children. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. For us especially, too, when we have our patients and we, we've diagnosed them with low thyroid and Hashimoto's, autoimmunity in general is so genetic now especially because of the high-stress lives that we live and the really stinky diets that we have, it's causing these genes to turn on and, and uh, causing a lot of autoimmune issues. And so for us, when we have a patient coming with low thyroid or, or Hashimoto's, we will make sure that they really watch over their kids and any slightest symptom, uh, they need to get it checked uh, because it's so genetic, right? Very so, cool. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's, it's kind of important. Like for me, for example, I have four girls. And I'm really not worried. Like my thinking now, because this is becoming so prevalent, I'm not thinking: Are they going to have an autoimmune condition? I'm now thinking: Which one are they going to have? And 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 when the signs start to increase, I'm going to jump all over it ASAP, rather than having these patients to get it at eight years old or or start you know having symptoms at eight years old, and then it just getting worse and worse and worse uh, by the time they're 25. That's one thing, too, with children. I, I can tell you this. With our experience, we see so many kids, and they respond so fast. I'm not even kidding you. Like, it might take three to six months or up to a year to really have a patient significantly improve when they're an adult. But if we can get a, a you know, a, a child into our office and, and get them the proper treatment and help they need, it is amazing how resilient they are and how, how, how fast their body responds. And so... You bet. I like I like what you said there. I had a 12-year-old little girl out yesterday at the farmer's market whose uh, mama was Hashimoto's. And as we were talking, um, I noticed her daughter had this enormous goiter in her neck. And you oh, know, wow. just very gently kind of covered the conversation. And then she started on her daughter. And so I lifted up the back of her hair to show her mom you know, because she hadn't, you know, gone to the pediatrician, wow. hadn't been addressed, but her daughter was having cognition and some learning problems and a lot of fatigue, you know, at 12, and they were kind of just chalking it up to headed into puberty. And I have three girls. I have uh, four kids, one my oldest son and then my uh, three girls. And I noticed, you know, uh, when I lifted her hair up, to show her mom, you know, so that she could show the doctor, you know, uh, because unfortunately most doctors don't, look at the neck or put their hands on your neck, or I'm sure at a certain point mm-hmm. with thyroid patients, they want to put their hands on our neck yeah. <laughs> for different reasons. But that's a whole right. but, and that's fine, right? We're okay with that. But however we can get their hands on our neck, we're good. But anyways, when I lifted up her hair, she had this massive knot in her hair, and I think so many people don't realize, and especially in children, is that tangling and knotting hair can be, uh, you know, prominently tangling and nodding hair can be uh, a sign of low thyroid hormone. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there was just this, ma- I mean, massive knot. And so I said it to her. I said, honey, is your hair hard to comb out? And she said, all the time, it is such a battle. You know, it's like my wow. hair is always knotted. And her mom's eyes got about the size of a quarter. You know, and she said, okay, well, you know, it's, I guess it's time just to, you know, to see the doc. And I thought, 
you know, yay. <laughs> you know, just well, woohoo, <laughs> right? Because there's yeah. so many things. I think we, you know, people have a tendency to do that with their children, too, or they're just not listening, yeah. or, you know, they're having trouble in school just because, or, but what if it is? What if it is a physiological problem that can be addressed and corrected and, and you know, everybody moves on happily? You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So, you, bet. you bet. So I have a burning question. By the okay, way, I'm hear. just in a consistent flower field here. Oh, I <laughs> I'm not hear getting flower field it. moments. I'm just in a flower <laughs> field from the start. Good. What you when got? are you what coming you? to California? <laughs> when are we going to get Dr. Red's uh, centers in California? Uh, that's a good question. Yes, that's a good question. We are expanding. We are we are definitely expanding. Um, there's a couple locations I don't want to I don't want to share yet, but, uh, oh, okay. but California is definitely on the definitely on the short list. There. On the radar. <laughs> radar. That's yep. all I need yep. to hear. Good. That is all yeah. I need to hear. Woohoo! Well, you let us know. We'll we'll promote for Arizona and Utah oh, too. Yeah. But you let you me bet. know because I have a load of clients that I would easily send your way, and I think some of them might even drive to Arizona for sure. So oh, that's great. I just well, that's love thing. what what we're hearing. <laughs> that, that's great. That's another thing too is we we you know we we'll, we have patients from all over the world, and so the way that we are able to help these patients is just by finding a lab near them, doing the proper tests that are needed so that we are no, no longer just guessing. We know exactly what's going on with that patient. Uh, and then working with them over the phone and shipping things to them or whatnot so that they can, one, uh, get the proper management that they need and, and all that as well. So there's, so there's a lot of patients. I would say probably 50% of our patients we might not ever see, ever. Um, really? Because they are so you do, we're working with them you do throughout phone, the world. or doing. Say that you again? You do phone consultations? Oh, Oh yeah, we we do lots and lots of phone consultations, and I, and I bet probably half of our patients now uh, are phone consultations because they live so far away. So fabulous! So yep. you don't even need to come to a center in California. We can send people to you directly over the phone. That's oh yeah, that's fabulous. And we have we have great staff to where it's not just one doctor that a patient is going to be seeing. There's multiple doctors working on one patient's case, so that you're getting more than just one brain. Um, and so we're constantly trying to find new ways and constantly counseling together about each patient and, and doing the best we can to help them get the quality of life that they deserve. So, Very cool. That is, yep. uh, I'm just... Yeah, I was going to say, a flower field moment. I was going to tell you, I guess we're, we're going to have to send out a little uh, email to, <laughs> to all the upcoming you know, guests to know ahead of time <laughs> what a flower field moment is. So I think it was like our third show, uh, Dr. Red. We we had a guest on, and everything that she was saying was just resonating with both of us. And it just, we kept having these pauses, and so it was like dead air time. And I didn't mind because it's, it's our show, and we want to do it a little bit different than everybody does. We don't want to fill you full of information and be really boring. We just we want it to yeah. be easy going. And so we, we just sat there. And so we called it our flower field moment. We nice. called it our flower field moment. So it's like, you know, where you know, someone's just sitting there going, No, you know, like we yep. just want to intake the information. We're absorbing what you're saying or what you're saying is resonating with us. So if you ever just hear us and you just there's just a pause. I like just it. Absorbing That's all right. uh, you know, what you're saying. That's right? good. That, that's great. I love it's it. Even, At least someone's absorbing what I'm saying, today. right? <laughs> nice. We coined them, coined them flower Maybe. field moments. Speaking of a flower yeah. field moment, can I go back to that that question? Why do many patients yeah, yeah. On, on thyroid hormones still experience symptoms? 
I just want to make sure I clarify because I think that not many viewers or, or listeners or patients at first really get it. Most of the time, these patients aren't suffering with just a thyroid problem. They're suffering with a lot bigger issue, which is an autoimmune condition. And addressing the autoimmune condition is, is the first and, and foremost priority. Um, and so a lot of these patients, they're going throughout life thinking they just have a thyroid problem, and in reality, they have a lot bigger issue brewing and, and creating a lot of stress, too. Um, and, then, and then what's crazy about this, too, because they might have other autoimmune conditions, something that I didn't mention is we have this test now where we're checking for 25 of the top autoimmune conditions. So if a thyroid patient comes in, we know, okay, the likelihood of them having Hashimoto's is significant, probably 70 to 80%. Um, and so as they come in, uh, we're able to test for 25 different autoimmune conditions because it's likely that they might wow. have other autoimmune conditions. And you know what's crazy? When you talk about cognitive problems, the number one autoimmune condition that we're seeing come up with thyroid patients is antibodies attacking what's called the myelin basic protein, which is the nervous system. And so you think about all these cognitive issues that patients with low thyroid are having, and now we're actually starting to see the reason why is because they potentially have antibodies or their immune system is attacking neurological tissue. This is probably the most alarming thing that we're seeing. And so when we ask why do these patients still have symptoms even though they're on thyroid hormones, this is really why. Because, one, they don't. their problem is not a thyroid issue. Their problem is an autoimmune condition causing a thyroid issue plus potential autoimmunity causing a nightmare throughout the rest of the body. And so here these patients go just taking a thyroid hormone, and that's all they're doing, which is great. They obviously need it. But they're thinking they don't need to do anything else, and their quality of life continues to plummet. Their chances of having significant complications in the future increase rapidly because nothing's being done with those problems, uh, and they just are struggling day to day. And so just to clarify, I wanted to make sure that that was addressed and, and that the, the listeners really understood said that. Yes, and I think that's so important. You know, Dana and I talk about that all the time because we can interview people that had, you know, antibodies of 4,000 and, uh, you know, a TSH of 125, and they're like, they didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I went to the doctor, and, and, and Dana and I, I mean, our jaws, both of us just simultaneously <laughs> drop. You can hear it. You know, you can hear us both hit the desk, right? right? Because neither one of us had sky-high TSH, and, and Dana's antibodies were higher than mine, but mine never exceeded, like, 397. So when you yeah, hear these people, sure. and I thought I was going to just die literally any moment. I, I mean, I thought, oh, my God, it's rampant cancer. <laughs> you know, my mother had died from, uh, you know, she had died from Alzheimer's, and, um, you know, there was just, I just knew it was something was impending that was just dastardly. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And yep, definitely. So I know for, you know, I'm fairly certain I go uh, for neurology in December, but uh, that the antibodies attack my neurological tissue as well. So that's so important that people understand that there's multiple facets. Like you said, multiple facets of thyroid disorder. It's not just take this pill and everything's going to be peachy. There are so many other things that have to be addressed, and that that is so important, you know, for quality of life and and longevity, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. And you uh, know, if, it, if, if yeah, I'll keep going. No, no, go ahead, please. 
I was going to say, and if if, a list, if 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 somebody's listening to this, wondering, well, how do I even test? I I know I have low thyroid, but I don't know what's causing it. You can run two simple tests through blood work, and it's really easy. You run the TPO antibody, and you run what's called an antithyroglobin antibody. If either of those come back high, then you know you have Hashimoto's. You know that you have a lot bigger and more significant disorder, which is an autoimmune condition. Uh, and so you know that there's a, there's a lot more help that's needed in certain areas. So. So question for you, Dr. Red, about that. We hear, you know, all kinds of different opinions. Of course, obviously, if they test high, you know, that's Hashimoto's. But what about the people that do have Hashimoto's that don't test that particular time or the next time and then on the third time, then all of a sudden they're there? Do you have a protocol in like, okay, they may not be there right now. For sure. That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. That's a great question because... uh, if if they portray the symptoms of Hashimoto's, and, and for example, like their thyroid is swelling, uh, the, the thyroid swells because your immune system is literally attacking it, right? Uh, so if the thyroid is swelling, raspy voice, they feel puffy, um, their symptoms aren't improving on thyroid medication, the likelihood of them being Hashimoto's is, is, is really high. But at the same time, this is what's crazy. Someone might have Hashimoto's severe enough where the antibodies actually get taxed and you won't even be able to see them on the blood work. Does that make sense? Wow. Say that and again, so, please. Yeah, so... Yeah. Say that so again for the listeners, that. please. So, yeah, so so somebody might have Hashimoto severe enough to where the antibodies get taxed to where they drop and you won't be able to see them uh, high on the blood work because they've just... they've been taxed. And so... And so... Uh, Testing them uh, multiple times is important, but also sometimes we might send them off to get a biopsy uh, to where about 20 to 30% of our patients with Hashimoto's uh, will not ever be able to be diagnosed through blood work. And and getting that biopsy to see if the antibodies are present is really the only thing that you can do that's 100% accurate to see if there's antibodies. And so there's some patients that we'll we'll send off. How do I go about what? I interrupted I was oh, just no, saying, no, I interrupted. I was just going to say, how do you feel about ultrasound? Do you like those yeah, in particular? Is, for yeah, an ultrasound is, is even is even more in, invasive or less invasive than uh, than doing a biopsy. So, so we oftentimes will do that as well. And if you can see, um, you know, certain factors pop up on the ultrasound, no likelihood uh, you can you can you know kind of guess that they're going to be Hashimoto's Get as well. Get it there. Mm-hmm. Well, but, you but know, like that's, and I two. interrupted you. What was your second testing? I was going to say number two. I want to, I want to hear the the second one for everybody. Oh, I'm not. I, so, so we did the biopsy. We, you know, the biopsy, the ultrasound is also also really important. But then there's some patients they feel so awful, and they have all the symptoms of Hashimoto's. It doesn't come back positive, uh, and we just go in and start treating them like an autoimmune patient, and they do phenomenal. You know, um, and we yeah. know that most inevitably that that uh, the antibodies just were taxed or, or whatnot, too. And that's another thing, too. This will be confusing for some patients because a patient might uh, check their antibodies and then get treatment and then want to see their antibodies drop. Uh, and they think that, okay, if my antibodies drop, that means that I'm improving. But in some cases, if your antibodies were, were, were taxed previously and you get the proper treatment needed, you can't always gauge it by your antibodies dropping if you're improving or not. The, the first Ooh, thing that we'll look for point. is, yeah, 
the yeah, first thing we, we'll look we hear for people is all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and really they could have just been so severe that their antibodies were taxed, they got the proper treatment they needed, and their antibodies raised a little bit, you know? Um, right. The, 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 the most important test that we look for to see if somebody's, somebody's improving aren't the antibodies. It's actually white blood cells um, and also TH17 cells. Um, and so if those two things, white blood cells and TH17 cells, are improving with the uh, manage- management that we're giving, we know that we're rock and roll. And then obviously the patient's symptoms should be improving as well. So. Very interesting. Okay, okay so, so I got to... <laughs> yeah, Tiffany's got Lots something. Of she's got to te- she's got to set, she's got to set up. So watch out, Doctor Ray. Here she goes. <laughs> no, because I I'm not a classic. There's nothing classic about my situation. But as as my well, thyroid true. hormone is optimizing and as I'm feeling better, <laughs> significantly better, my white blood cells are dropping. I'm going the hmm. opposite way. But but I I have unusual situation. It's not a normal. You know, I've had kidney That's failure true. twice, liver failure once. It's not a normal thing. I, I started off born to a hypothyroid mom, which just, it just kicked the can beginning. <laughs> so do you know <laughs> your Hashimoto's go yet? There. What's that? Do you know that you have Hashimoto's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, so, and my, so you're my for sure autoimmune. Is, yeah, I'm for sure autoimmune, yeah, and my thyroid on ultrasound uh, was normal-sized, but my TPO um, was... 397 something like that. But but that's not normal. Let's let's stick with the people who I'm going to make an appointment with you. <laughs> yeah. I love you. I love the way you address the whole thing. I love the fact that you also work with physicians because I I that's critical for somebody like me. I have to have both I have to have everybody everybody on board together. It's not a I'm going to do yeah. this one thing and I'm going to do this one thing. It's kind of like mm-hmm. if you're not willing to work with other people, if you're not willing to play well, <laughs> I'm not your patient, but I love the way that you approach I, I hear you. it, you know? I hear you. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. But it goes back to our point that every patient's unique and different. And what the information so I'm unique. sharing is, is also very generalized too, right? And so Absolutely. there's obviously a reason and, and why your white that. blood cells drop, and, and there's obviously reasons why uh, things are going on specific to you. You just We just need to find out the underlying mechanisms behind that, see really what other autoimmune conditions are we dealing with, uh, and, and I'm sure once you're able to identify that, it all makes sense. It, oh, yeah, you bet. <laughs> if so, I had a dollar for every one, I'd be retired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I start getting saliva in my mouth. I start salivating just hearing of, of patients that have multiple autoimmunity. I'm like, yes, let's uh, let's do this, you know? So. Oh, my God, I love it. I, I'm coming at you. That's I'm coming funny. at you, truly. Okay, so for our, for our general and I love the fact that you say that these are general things, but for the general people who, but I love the fact that we also are covering the fact that everybody is so different. It's not the same for anybody. But yeah. what are some uh-huh. of the common, I, I want to, what are some of the common dietary, we, we kind of covered the physiological triggers, the stress and other things, but common dietary triggers, because you are a functional gastroenterology practitioner, yeah, dietary, dietary triggers of Hashimoto's. Okay, so the first first and foremost one, which nobody wants to hear, <clears throat> is gluten, right? And I'm sure you guys have heard this a million times, but now the research is saying that gluten uh, is almost significant in Hashimoto's patients as it is celiac patients. And so 
um, we're finding out now if, if a patient has Hashimoto's, the likelihood of them being gluten intolerant or having the gluten flare things up is, is huge. And, and I, I'll just say this, too. Some patients will be like, well, I avoided gluten and I don't feel any better. Um, well, the problem is you have 10 physiological imbalances inside your body that are flaring up the Hashimoto's, plus you have multiple food intolerances that are flaring up the Hashimoto's. If you just get rid of one of them, you're not going to improve and you're not going to feel a difference. Once you can start addressing the physiological problems, then you start avoiding the, the food intolerances, then you'll actually feel a difference and, and notice changes. But uh, the gluten's by far the biggest one. And then probably the most common ones from there are dairy, uh, corn, soy, um, eggs, and rice. Those are probably the most common ones. But again... Did you say rye or rice? I'm sorry. Right. Right. Sorry. R-I-C, you gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so with, with those patients, but obviously everyone's different, we will typically see that a patient's intolerant to, to about two or three of those foods, and it's specific to that individual, which is pretty interesting. Um, and, so, and so those, you know, we'll go in and we'll try to identify which foods they have to avoid. Once things start to improve significantly, uh, things that they were intolerant to, they might not be intolerant to uh, in six months, right? As you go and re- repair the intestinal lining and make it nice and thick and you restore it with good flora and good bacteria uh, and you really work with that, it, you know, patients become a lot less, a lot less tolerant to, to certain things. And so, but those are, those are the common foods, right? Okay. Absolutely. And then now here's my, more. here's my this burn is, in this. question. Okay, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I'll no, just say you go one ahead more. First. One, one. This is crazy, but but for viewers out there or listeners out there. Sorry, I'm used to being on TV, so I say viewers. Um, but for <laughs> listeners okay, out there, <laughs> during uh, during a flare-up, with almost all of our patients, they're more they're they're intolerant to more foods during the flare-up than they are not during the flare-up, and so we literally almost make two. We we have to make a recovery diet for patients and and just a normal standard diet. So a patient might be avoiding one or two foods uh, as they're functioning well and things are great. If they have a flare-up, then they'll have to actually probably avoid like five or six foods to recover faster. So, okay, now I'm done. You can ask your question. What you got? I have so many burning questions today. It's terrible. I'm just terrible today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... It's, for somebody who gluten is a really big issue, and I, I've been tested for celiac, obviously came out negative, never done the mm-hmm. functional medicine paradigm of the, the multiple um, gluten intolerance. I, it's, I don't, almost don't even need to do it. Like I eat it and my brain shuts off. It's like who's yeah, on first? You, you Where's the kids? Yeah. Honey, can you? Right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. But it doesn't happen with every type of gluten. Like I can eat certain things. Like I have poached eggs on sourdough every morning. And I'm perfectly fine. I, I had poached eggs on sourdough half an hour before I got on the phone. Obviously, if it slowed down my brain, then thank God, right? <laughs> I'm like, right? Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> but my my thing is, and, and this is just terrible, right? Dana and I have just such a hard time wrapping our heads around gluten. It's just terrible, and we know it, right? So mm-hmm. even though we I do, do we react do. poorly doctor, to gluten. We had- we had Dr. Tom O'Brien on just, just yeah, we had him ago. on 
Yeah, just so you know, Dr. Red, we know. <laughs> we've done the whole gluten thing. We, we've heard it all. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So it's not that gluten is a problem. We both know that gluten is a problem. It mimics thyroid hormone. There's multiple facets. My question to you is, my burning question, because you're very polite and you seem very sweet and you wouldn't just tell me to go jump off, right? Tell my my wife that, too. (laughs) Well, wives are a whole different, we have a whole different, uh, you know, view, wives of our husbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 wife is (laughs) Is it, completely like do or die Tiffany you can never eat gluten again that's it my question is as I as my thyroid hormone is optimizing and I'm feeling optimal have energy feeling so much better like incredibly better is it okay to to eat gluten obviously I'm not going to run out and just dive off into a gluten pool but you know Dr. Tom says no gluten you're done you eat it you're a fool is your philosophy yeah. the same way, or do you believe that at some point people can go back to these foods? And I know you addressed that a little bit with the way you explained it before, but could you could you um, elaborate on that? <laughs> Jump in. So there's <laughs> there's there's some cases um, there's some cases where the patients improve so much and the intestinal tract improves so much that they actually could go back and and uh, and and be fine on gluten. Um, in, in the majority of cases, though, the answer would be I would avoid gluten like the plague, especially for someone like you um, to where, I mean, here's the thing. You can have what's called silent autoimmunity, which means your immune system is attacking some form of tissue. It just hasn't progressed enough to where you're experiencing symptoms. And so On every for single you, encounter. Yeah, exactly. So for you with, with multiple autoimmunity, um, you knowing that gluten has a problem, uh, I would avoid gluten like the plague because the last thing that you would want is to eat something that flares up the autoimmunity enough to where it destroys, you know, neurological tissue, and then that creates a long-term, you know, long-term problem. Now, right. so now there's also your answer to me would be Tiffany. Just because your antibodies haven't changed, haven't gone up. If anything, they've gone down. Eating yeah, no differently. Even though your mm-hmm. antibodies haven't changed, even though your thyroid, you know, your Hashimoto's, my thyroid gland has not not changed on an ultrasound, your thing to me, and we're talking, we're talking to me, but we're addressing this to all of the yeah. listeners, all the mm-hmm. viewers out there, right? Yeah. That apply like I do. You're saying, Tiffany, it's not necessarily about your thyroid gland. This is about your your brain, my dear. Yeah. Right. There's okay. so it's so much more complex than just the thyroid gland. Like, I don't really even care about the thyroid gland, to be honest with you. That's not even my issue. I, I'm not worried about that, you know? We can give you the, you know, I can have an endocrinologist, or an endocrinologist can give you a proper thyroid hormone, and, and that's great. My thing, though, is the immune system and the intestinal tract and all the other imbalances that are causing the problem. And for you to, with already multiple autoimmunity, to, to flirt with gluten would be, would be, in my opinion, disastrous and could lead to a lot of problems. Now, it can be confusing for you, though, because there's certain types of, of gluten and certain types of, you know, the gluten protein is, is different in certain areas. Uh, for example, Dana could have, uh, Dana's, Dana's gluten protein in Costa Rica could be a lot different than it is in America. The way that America is making uh our breads and our crusts and crackers and what they're doing with our gluten is, is terrible. 
And it's causing people to be a lot more reactive to gluten than in other countries. And so some patients might now, be Dr. confused Tom, because... Dr. Red, yeah. Dr. Tom says, eh, he, he, he just batted me out of the ballpark on that one. He's like... Yeah, he did. <laughs> Batter up. Boom. He there did. He goes. <laughs> he said, uh, oh, which one? Tell, I said, what about what the said. whole ancient grains or... My, you know, I'm married to an Italian baker's grandson, so we had talked about commercial processing, adding the salt, which you know increases the gluten by 85%. Not washing off the yeah. flour the way you. And he just went. Eh. He said, "I'm having a whole nother <laughs> seminar on ancient grains and how it applies." And I was like, "Oh, that's Great. that's fantastic." Really, Doctor Doctor Tom and I, I'm sure are. If Dr. Tom and I sat down, I'm sure we would probably eventually get on the same page. Um, but, but well, and it's really evolving. Time, it's an evolving subject. It is. It is. It is evolving. Yeah. But like, for example, let's say let's let's just take our wheat in general, right? Uh, in America, they now spray our wheat with a lot of different pesticides and things that we didn't used to 20 years ago to to help maintain, um, you know, the integrity of the wheat, right? Right. And because we're spraying it now with those things, it's actually changing the protein. So the, the protein structure of gluten is changing. And research is showing now that the way that the reason why uh, that, that the protein structure change is actually a lot more reactive to our immune system. So so it's not even I don't even like to say my opinion. I just like to have lots of research and analyze lots of research and and then that's what I will say, right? We're, Another we're up thing in the ante. Up in the ante, yeah. so to speak, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Another thing, too, is deamination. And what's going on now is that most uh, most food companies are taking what's called the transglutaminase enzyme out of, you know, the, the, that our stomachs use to digest this. They're taking the transglutaminase enzyme, and they're using it on gluten before we even eat it to break it down, to basically to, to, to have a long-lasting shelf life. And so now we're eating, we're not eating regular gluten, we're eating what's called deaminated gluten. And the deaminated gluten, too, there's mounds of research that are showing that we're a lot more reactive to that form of gluten, the, the, the processed gluten, than we are otherwise. And so. And we're, we're not even addressing bromide and yeast. We're not yeah, even we're not even, go there. We're not even addressing ancient, <laughs> ancient gluten. But, but right. like I said, I've had, patients, I've had patients that can go to Italy eat gluten and have no problems. And then come back and they'll eat gluten and they'll have a flare-up like crazy. The other thing with America, too, is something called aflatoxins. Uh, now we're storing our, our grains for sometimes up to two years. This causes mold um, to be produced, and that right. mold produces what's called aflatoxins, which are highly, highly reactive to our immune system. So so there's obviously there's so many variables. There, it, there, it's not just one thing and that's it, you know? And, and, I and love again, we're getting very specific you, to the individual. That you said that. Love yeah, the fact it, that you covered that it's not just gluten per se in one little little diddly there. There's you know there's multiple factors on top of that. Yeah. You know, like I said, even even the bromide that's used in conditioning the bread, even yeast people. You know, a lot of people have yeast issues. Of course, you huge as a functional yeah. practitioner have a very an easier way of identifying the difference. I mean, you, you can test someone and see whether they're reactive to certain types of gluten or For sure. whether they have yeast that's prolific. So that's, that's where you 
uh, you know, the, that's the fabulousness about a functional medicine practitioner. There's no guessing. It's like this is a problem. Yeah. This is a problem. Right. Right. Very you, cool. you betcha. But but for Dr. Tom, uh, obviously that's probably his expertise, and he he's seen the research and he's just like, hey, you're better off. You know, he's just cut and dry, no gluten. It's that simple. Yeah. Uh, for me, if, if it's my patient, I'm giving generalized advice. Absolutely, I would tell you to avoid gluten like the plague. Um, but I also understand too. Every patient specific, uh, there's there's lots of variables that come into play when it comes to gluten, and so and so that's it. But but for me, when it comes to Hashimoto's and autoimmunity in general, uh, gluten is a huge problem, and and, and I'd avoid avoid it like rat rat poisoning for sure. So it's a big. Now, do you also include barley and rye in there as well, or you bet? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anything One made big from lumping. wheat, barley, and rye um, will contain gluten, and so I'd, I'd avoid that. And you know sometimes. Avoiding gluten can be difficult because, like, for example, red licorice has gluten in it. Soy sauce, uh, which you wouldn't think has gluten in it, has gluten in it because of it, it's made from fermented wheat. Um, and then there's also other foods that can cross-react, which means uh, mimic. We call it molecular mimicry or cross-reaction. So dairy, the protein in dairy is so similar to that of gluten that um, that your body can be confused and, and cause a flare-up just from dairy alone. And then also egg, rice, soy, uh, those are also very closely linked uh, proteins to that of gluten as well. And so sometimes there's patients that they might have celiac disease celiac disease or, or Hashimoto's um, that they just have to avoid gluten, they're fine. And then down the road, they all of a sudden might become tolerant to, to dairy uh, and corn because, because of the cross-reaction that occurs there. It's so interesting. It really That's is. That's a lot of uh, information. A lot of information. It, it is. I mean, it's such it a is. complex. You know, it's funny because it. You know, Hashimoto's and, and hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism are addressed as such simple conditions. You know, in conventional, we're talking conventional medicine. Yeah. And if you ask any any patient, it's or even any functional <clears throat> practitioner, it is not. It's not oh a simple goodness. situation. It is. It is so complex, I can't even describe it. I have a little YouTube video that kind of explains a little bit of the complexity. Um, but it is so complex. But that's one of the reasons why I love it. Like, I love, especially at first, when, when lots of people would say, you can't help Hashimoto's patients, it's too difficult. Like, I love those challenges, knowing that, well, if I can identify the underlying issues, and, and the patient and I can work together to really help improve each one, and I can teach the patient what I know, that's going to give the patient the best outcome. But, but just the fact that it's challenging and that it is so complex is really one of the reasons why I, l- I love being a part of it and I love researching it and I love uh, trying to identify every, every facet possible uh, to this condition so that uh, we can really help, help, help the patients, you know? Right. Very cool. Okay, so another great question that we would love to ask you, and I know we're getting close to our time uh, for those that are listening, if we run over a little bit, it'll cut off, but then you can go into the archives and go to the additional minutes and still catch what's what's been talked about. We won't run over too much, but just in case we do, that is, that's how that all works. But question for you, are there supplements that are beneficial and or harmful for those with Hashimoto's disease? Or, yeah. you know, so many people are like, I have a whole slew, 20 supplements. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm not even telling you, like... 
Uh, no, you're you're so right. Like the thing that scares me most is not medical doctors or or endocrinologists and the amount of medications they're on. I'm telling you, it's not. The thing that scares me most is when these patients come in with with a sack full of of nutritional supplements, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. there's going to be some things in there that are like rat poison tea <laughs> as well, you know? Like for example, <laughs> some some things that are really bad will be iodine, right? Iodine for Hashimoto's patients. There's so much research out there now. We know that iodine is like rat poison, um, and and that's this is a new thing now. There's a lot of people that don't that don't know that. And obviously, this is generalized information. Um, but most of the time with our patients, iodine is going to flare things up like crazy and be like pouring gas on a wildfire. And so uh, when a patient comes with a handful of supplements, we know there's going to be some things in there that are bad, and iodine is definitely one of them. Some other ones, though, which, which you may not think would be um, something like pomegranate or green tea or dark chocolate or... Green uh, tea, green of, tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it could be... But again... This is for like half of the patients that have Hashimoto's. Right. You have what's called Th1 cells and Th2 cells. Most of the time, those are kind of uh, those are crooked. You have a lot more cells, a lot more Th2 cells than you do Th1 cells, or vice versa. And if you can stimulate the other the other cells, the ones that you don't have much of, if you can get those cells nice and even, that will significantly decrease uh, the autoimmune response and flare-ups. It, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, this is one of the tricks that we use to really help patients improve and help recover fast. But the problem is if, if let's say someone has Th2 cells, a lot more Th2 cells than they do Th1 cells, and they go and, and eat or drink green tea or have dark chocolate, that will actually actually stimulate more Th2 cells and make it even more crooked, which will in turn cause the autoimmunity to flare up like crazy. Does that, does, are you guys, okay. does, does that even make sense? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm tracking yeah, with is, you. Hang wait, on. Wait, wait, but I have to tell you, this is this is the opposite of a flower field moment, though, because I am a dark <laughs> chocolate fanatic. So what are we gonna name going to name that? Just want you to know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's well, here's the thing, though. It, it, there's there's some. Let's say let's say you have Th1 cells that are dominant. You have you have way more Th1 cells than you do Th2 cells, and you eat dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. You're going to notice a significant decrease in the flare-up. It's going to really help you a lot. And you, or you do green tea, for example. It's going to help you a lot. And, and for example, pomegranate will stimulate the Th1 pathway. And so if you have less Th1 cells and you stimulate, th, you stimulate the Th1 cells by pomegranate, then that can in turn really significantly improve the Hashimoto's. But, but it's always scary. You need to have a, a healthcare professional work with you and exactly. identify which one's dominant and which one's not because if you're taking these supplements or you're doing some of these things not knowing, you could be making things way worse uh, otherwise. Right. And herbs can be very problematic too there, right, Dr. Red, like ashwagandha and things like that. Oh, yeah. Some people will thrive you and betcha. some people are like, oh, my God, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. And if they react to it, they're flaring up this huge fire, the autoimmune condition, and who knows, they could be having antibodies attack the, the brain tissue and all sorts of stuff, and so you don't want to mess with any of that as well, right? Um, right. Now, some, it, some it, supplements. It, go ahead, Tiffany, or, or, or Anna. Ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead, Anna. I, I won't forget, so go ahead. Don't forget it. Okay. <laughs> um, I won't. Some other things that are that are beneficial, though, like that are neutral, Uh just neutral for patients is glutathione. Glutathione is phenomenal for for increasing what's called regulatory T cells, 
which really helps suppress the immune response from flaring up. Um, probably the best thing that we have that, that research has shown now is turmeric. Something so simple as turmeric, um, but having the turmeric with, with black pepper uh, with it makes it absorb 2,000 times more, so make sure it has the black pepper in it. Um, but, but taking turmeric is probably the best thing that we know now that will really suppress what's called TH17 cells, decrease inflammatory cytokines, and, and really help improve their immune response. Also, resveratrol is, is another big thing, too. Another easy, neutral thing that, that's needed for Hashimoto's patients is just vitamin D, right? You guys talk a lot about vitamin D. Yes. Patients with Hashimoto's will have what's called a vitamin D receptor polymorphism problem. That's a mouthful. But what happens is the vitamin D receptor site will kind of mutate and change, and so the vitamin D can't bind onto it efficiently. And so patients with Hashimoto's need a lot more vitamin D than just a standard person does. Um, and the vitamin D that we use that we think is, is a lot more beneficial would be the uh, sublingual vitamin D. Most of our patients will have problems at the first absorbing and digesting food, and so if they take a, an oral vitamin D, it might not absorb into the bloodstream like it should efficiently. And so we'll just go ahead and bypass the intestinal tract by using the sublingual version of vitamin D, and that goes right into the bloodstream, and that gets them the efficient amount of vitamin D needed. But also, uh, vitamin D is huge in increasing regulatory T cells as well. And so... Let's say someone has like a massive flare-up. We'll use vitamin D, glutathione, and like a massive dose of turmeric to really help these patients recover fast or help them recover. improve and get back into the yep maintain mode and, and all that as well. So those are really easy, generalized supplements that you can can take. And then obviously the bad ones you want to be cautious with and really have a healthcare provider watch over there because I'm telling you, those patients that come in to our office with a bag full of supplements, I want to like just die off you know fall off my chair and die but just say like please stop taking those right now and let's work together to figure out what's going to be specific and beneficial for you okay Dan, what do you got okay okay so okay first i just wanted to say tiffany can't you see dr red as he's sitting at his desk and someone walks in and they turn the corner and he smiles and sees them and then their hand comes around and he's got they've got a bag in their hand Oh my gosh, guys! I can't even tell you. Like I can't even tell you. I mean, all I do all day long is research. I'm constantly doing the research, and so I'm constantly seeing things that not many people are seeing, right? And the two things that drive me nuts most, and it's not the patient's fault. I love the patients regardless whether they have a bag of supplements or not. They're desperate, but the two right? No, that, I totally exactly. Oh yeah, it's I totally see their view. I mean, they're just. They're, they've they've lost up until they're searching for every ounce of, of of anything they have to find some type of improvement health wise. And so it's not their fault, obviously. But the two things no. that scare me the most are one when the patient has a bag of supplements in their hands when they walk in the office, and then the two when the patients are saying that they they're trying to cure their 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 thyroid condition and they're not taking any thyroid hormone. Um, <laughs> those those two things I'm like, See, oh Dana, my goodness. I told you. I I like because one, as much as I love natural health, you unfortunately you just can't cure this. This is incurable. <laughs> You're gonna have this for the rest of your life, and we're gonna need medical intervention. If you have a low thyroid, you need to be on a thyroid hormone, and we need to work with endocrinologists with that. Uh, and so thank you. And it takes anyways, an accounting, things, right? A regular two, accounting. There you go. Those two things are the things that make me fall off my chair. But, okay, now I keep on interrupting you. What do you got for us? 
<laughs> okay, so all I was going to say is, well, now I've kind of forgotten, but I remember one of the oh things I was going to say is that, <laughs> I know I said I wasn't going to, but I did. Okay, so okay, um, is when I go in these groups or even on my Facebook page, people will, you know, just ask, well, you know, what do you think if I, you know, should I take iodine or what do you think if, you know, I do this, you know, and um, I should be taking the count or, you know, will just be asking the blatant questions, right? And I just, mm-hmm. boy, I just stay way, way away from those things. I don't even comment or like. I just pretend like they're, they're not even there because it's, <laughs> it's too scary for people, right? It is. It is really scary. They need to be working with their practitioner. Yeah, it is really scary. And now it just, I think I just made it more scary because think about this. (laughs) If there's a potential of half the patients that have antibodies attacking brain tissue as well, I mean, we are causing massive amount of problems if we're giving advice and not understanding the patient's circumstance, right? And so if I were you, I would stick to more of the generalized things that we know are beneficial regardless. Turmeric, glutathione, um, vitamin D and and uh, you know resveratrol or, or whatever it may be like those are pretty stable pretty neutral uh, chosen to to really help these patients um, but yeah now with high, with your high dose vitamin love- D Dr. Red do you also incorporate magnesium with that as well when you put someone on a very high dose of vitamin D yeah magnesium can be really efficient uh, for the for the vitamin D it obviously um if you're using it for, yeah, if you're using it for uh, sublingual, you might not have to use as much, but, but that would be great. You bet. Okay. Okay. Good deal. Well, we know it's Ooh. Sunday, and we know that you have a beautiful family, and we have so many more questions for you. We would love to have you back again. Have uh, me back. Just, and what we'll what? do, have me back. There's so much information that I can provide. And you guys are awesome, too. I love spending my Sunday with you. So, what we could do We'd is have me back, back, and then we'll just jump right into the nitty-gritty stuff that, that patients and, and, and listeners really want to hear. Because we well, could just pick your brain okay, all well, day, you're... but we know it's Sunday yeah. and your family, and <laughs> we should let you go. <laughs> and, and, and do, you, do, you have a, do you have a newborn, Dr. Red? Do you have a newborn? I, you know what? I have a 7-year-old boy. I got a 6-year-old girl, a 4-year-old girl, 3-year-old girl, and a 4-month-old girl. Oh my wow. God! Yeah, Very I'm scared cool. out of my like mind. Me, oldest boy and three girls. Yeah, we need to have a, an interview where I just Four ask girls. advice on what to do with girls. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally <Hey>. right. Your <laughs> wife is amazing. She is my wife, amazing. I'm telling you, Holy my wife cow. is the most amazing thing on this planet. She is unbelievable, and she's smoking hot too, which is awesome. So I get <laughs> I get the best hot. of both worlds. You know? She I, is smoking she's, hot. She's smoking hot inside, and she's smoking hot on the outside, too. So. Oh, well, we love her. Well, cool. We'd love for you to come to Costa Rica. So you just bring all those those babies or come alone. We'd love to have you both. I, I would love to. That would be great. Well, where well, hey, can people find you? Dr. Red, yes. Let, it, let people know where they can find you, and then we'll we'll close up and repeat it again for you. But. Okay, so they can go on to uh, lowthyroid101.com. And that's our website for all of our offices. And there's lots of information. There's testimonials. There's uh, brochure. There's brochures that you can go on and, and download and read. Uh, there's a lot of information that you can get just from that website. Uh, there's also our numbers on there too. If you if you feel like uh, you know we'll benefit, you'll benefit from from seeing us. Then then call and we offer free consultations and all that stuff as well. I mean, 
uh, you know, our goal is obviously to help as many patients as we can, but just to be able to share information and spread the message of hope and healing and and let others know of strategies out there that might be something. That's really our main goal. I just want to try to try to spread spread the news about about this and, and create awareness to where these patients can really improve and, and kind of gain hope and strength again. So. Wow, very, 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 well, very cool. This has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you so very much. And your assistant, Rebecca, has been wonderful since the very beginning when we scheduled you for the show. So uh, thank her as well for me, and we'll keep in touch, and we'll have you back. Thank you so okay. very, very much. Great. You, you guys are amazing. All righty. Okay, take awesome. care. I wish thank I could give you a big hug so both of you. All righty. Thank you. We'll Happy thank Thanksgiving. You. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Oh my gosh! Holy moly! I there's he's got to be one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites right there. Yes, that was just. I know. Oh, we need to have him back. We say that every time. We say that every (laughs) time. But but he really but he really was. He's like a really terrible really favorite. You know, I think for, right? I think it's a personality thing, right? Too. You know, there there's you know you have to have with your practitioner. Uh, you know, um, there's a communication, like we talked about. There has to be a, um, you know, a presentation and, and the way that you communicate. You have to be, you could hear the person. He spoke in a manner that I could, uh, I didn't have any, like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, It was a clear exactly. pathway. I could hear like, what I, he was saying. I said, I said something, and he, like, uh, validated it and reset right. it in the that made me know that he understood and explained it in a way that sounded better. And so, I mean, immediately, once he did that, I was like, okay, that's it. And then he did it to you as well. And I was like, okay, well, Tiffany and I were I sold. <laughs> I really liked right? the way that his, he, yeah, I honestly really liked the way that he approached it. I really did. I can see why he has multiple centers and is doing very well. I think that's just a, what a resource for the thyroid community. So everybody can find him, like he said, lowthyroid101.com, also at uh, redriverhealthandwellness.com for the facilities on Facebook, Pinterest, Google+. He also mentioned YouTube videos, which is, you know, a great way uh, to learn about uh, thyroid with the right people. Um, Yeah, it was just amazing. It was amazing. We need to have him back. Please. We are going to have him (laughs) back. Please, please. He does have a... I, I'm on his Facebook page, and he does have a smoking hot wife, and his kids are adorable. I mean, <laughs> what a great picture. I'm serious. I mean, and she, she's got, what did she say? What did he say? Seven? How old is his son? Seven or eight? Seven? No, eight, and then I six, that, and then I, yeah. five, and then That's three, a lot of little then, people. Oh I thought oh I was God. bad. She, <laughs> That's a lot of little yes. people. <laughs> it is. Oh, my. That's oh, a that's full wonderful. household well, right was there. Fabulous. He was he fabulous. He was fabulous. So, um, so now there's just going to be so a lot of So we get serenaded next week. Wife's running around. Right? Who? We get serenaded next week. Oh, we do. We do get serenaded next week. <laughs> Danielle, Melanie Brown, and Jennifer Michelle Brown, founders Very of cool. uh, damnthebutterfly.com and danielleandjennifer.com. And hopefully they'll be singing something really cool for us on the air. They're both um, thyroid patients, and I think they both have Hashimoto's. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, they started DamTheButterfly.com, and they also sing at all kinds of events all over, so they're going to be singing for us on the air. It would be very, very cool. 
Very cool. Okay, as always, a very big thank you to our listeners. Please share your Thyroid Thriver story with us, too. We'd love to have it at thyroidnation.com slash thyroidthrivers. You can submit your story, and, uh, you know, we, we'd like to hear it, whether you're healed or not. It's the journey. It's the journey that counts, and it can often help others uh, not feel so alone. And uh, it's one of those things, one of those tools, one of those things I always mention when people ask me about the site, because if it just helps one person, someone's story, and there are so many great stories on there. There's like over 60 stories. We're going to start um, categorizing them. I think I mentioned that before so that it's a little easier to pick stories because you just go on and you see all these really great-looking faces and these pictures. Right. And I don't know where to start. You just start clicking. So No, that'll be awesome. So we're going to start That's separating awesome. them out. Right, right, right. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Something something. fabulous to look forward to with Thyroid Nation. <laughs> yeah. We got uh, lots don't of mind good me. I'm coming up with thyroid nation. We have lots of good things coming up. <laughs> Anyways, thank you as well always to our amazing thyroid nation radio team, without whom this show would not be possible. Please check out these fabulous women on Thyroid Nation under the radio tab. Read their bios, their Facebook groups, their support groups, and and all about these amazing women. And please make sure if you haven't followed. Um, Check out our website and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We also have a, a group on Facebook called Hoshies and Grace. So check that out. We're on Periscope and Instagram. I haven't been on Periscope. I need to be on Periscope. I'll be back on Periscope soon. But check us out on all those uh, social media platforms, too. So exciting. We want to remind you all that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Just like Dr. Red said, you got to get help. you got to be monitored. It's very important for your health and wellness and mental well-being. So make sure to always listen to your body and be mindful of what it is telling you as well because it's super, super smart, and if it needs help, it's going to tell you. That's right. That's right. Okay, guys, this is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Green Gatsika from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden Up Biz. Bring a collection collective voice of thyroid drivers worldwide so that together united we heal thanks guys happy thanksgiving